Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. Habs Unfiltered is featured on The Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio. This podcast brings you honest and in-depth hockey discussion and entertainment. Our hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Pudvay, are proud to be one of your trusted sources for Habs and hockey news. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 168. I'm your host, Blaine Putvay, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello, everybody. So this episode is a post-game game game one, preview game two episode. Um, Matt is unfortunately unable to join us as he is working. Um, Apparently, the Air Force doesn't let him take time off in the summer. They're super busy, I guess, setting up volleyball courts. I guess. I don't know what they do. He yeah. says he's busy, but I, I question that. I've seen it's, Air Force work. Yeah, I mean, it's Air Force stuff, right? But uh, good news. Later on in this episode, we're going to be joined by Andrew Mulville of the Hockey Writers, and he covers the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we're going to um, start a feud, I guess. We'll beat him up online. I don't know. Whatever works. Yeah. He might take a dive. He might take a dive, though. So we gotta whoa, be whoa, careful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's not Kucherov. He could take a shot and keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. Um, we'll just get started then. So the Canadians kind of sucked in game one, huh? Yeah, that was probably the worst game of the entire playoffs. Yeah. Um, by far. They didn't generate any offense. They were scrambled on defense. Um, the giveaways in the neutral zones would kill them. Three of the goals led to were direct results of giving the puck up at the Tampa Bay blue line and then just mm-hmm. not being able to get back in time to. Uh, and of course, another one was from the faceoff, which they had issues with with Vegas. So, I think uh, that was the only goal that the Canadians didn't create for the other so, team. Correct. You're you're absolutely right. Um, now, I mean. 
Two of the Tampa goals, I'm going to say, were kind of puck luck, lucky goals. So Stamkos' power play goal kind of was on a bad angle and squeaked in. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, Sherratt second goal of the game that kind of went off his hand, arm. Yeah, were, were they batted it out of the air? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Point touched it. I think it went off uh, uh, Sherratt's Whether stick, he Whether whatever. he did or didn't. Whether he did or didn't, it was a fluky goal, and uh, that happens. That happens in games. And but it was from a, a turnover that the Canadians. Correct. Yeah. You know, I mean, the Canadians beat themselves in that game. It wasn't like Tampa showed up and said, "We're your daddy. We're this ball although, gag." Although Tampa looked very good, Tampa oh, capitalized on the yeah. results. They 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 uh, their power play with those cross ice passes for the one timers. Uh, which Montreal was doing very good with shutting down in the first three series. Like they were shutting down that cross ice pass. And well, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to that with the power play stuff in a little yeah. bit, but I want to stick on the fact that the Canadians beat themselves. Yes. Tampa oh. Bay is a great hockey team. They're the yeah. defending cup no, champs. They... You know, they've got a team that, uh, you know, you can't even buy for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was it was the Canadians' mistakes, their nervous play, all of it that generated all those turnovers in the offense for Tampa. Yeah, um, of the five goals, yeah, three of them were generated because Montreal made mistakes, gave the puck up at the wrong place, at the wrong time, and couldn't get back to 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 handle it. I don't think. Uh, I don't think Tampa's going to dominate Montreal in this series. I don't think it's going to be like, I mean, I know I put a tweet out about how Habs fans react <laughs> per game. Yeah. Um, and thanks everyone for explaining to me how the fans work. I appreciate that. Cause we've never seen it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. yeah. You really got to learn what sarcasm is, but uh <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I shouldn't say that. Thank you, fans, for explaining to me how it works. I, I didn't know, hence the tweet. But don't worry, uh, it'll change after a win. Yeah. Uh, well, it'll be the first. It'll be the first part of the tweet that I put out. Yeah. Um, but uh, this would be Montreal's toughest test, and they got to play. And I, I think I said they can win in six. I still believe they can win in six. Yeah. Um, it's no different than the first game in Vegas against Vegas. Uh, or the second, third, and fourth game against Toronto, really, if you think about it. Um, and they'll, they'll, they'll find a way. They'll come back. They'll adjust. And uh, we'll see how tonight goes. I, everyone, all we really wanted was a split out of Tampa anyway. So Yeah, it's better to get that first win, though, because then you're guaranteed the split. Correct, but, correct. But, but now in game one, um, the Canadians, com- they lacked – all composure they had they they played undisciplined not just penalties but their game was sloppy they weren't thinking the game correctly and it wasn't just one or two people it was pretty much everybody with the exceptions of Carey Price Shea Weber Josh Anderson those three they came to play the rest were it was you know it was kind of touchy-feely not sure what to do I mean Cole Caulfield made sense. He made a couple of really bad giveaways, but I mean, crisis, the Stanley cup finals, you're a kid. You've never really played at this level before. So I get that part. He also got back on a couple of them to make some pretty good defensive plays. Um, I think a lot of nerves had to do with, I think a lot of the younger guys were nervous. 
Yeah. Um, and that's going to be up to guys like Perry and Stahl and Weber, even like guys who have to fall. Yeah, you're, you're skipping a little bit. So um, anyway, back to game one. It was, they, they created, they, they left too many large gaps. They're, they let, they let Tampa into the game. So as Treg refix, if he, as long as he's fixing his stuff, we're good. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to ham up for some time here. Um, I'm going to let him know he froze now. Yeah. So they gave up way too many gaps. They provided too many turnovers. They were undisciplined. Um, and it was the in game, the in game adjustments weren't there. So with Dom Ducharme at home, Oh, there he is. He's back. (laughs) Welcome. Hey there. Nice to see you back. Yeah, so uh, we're on to the in-game adjustments. So Dom Ducharme's at home. He's the head coach. He's not on the bench. And Luke Richardson, I mean, as as great of a story it's been, uh, Luke Richardson's bench management is nothing compared to Cooper's bench management. Cooper is a seasoned NHL coach. So we saw it in game one. Uh, Deno was unable to go up against points line. That's a huge adjustment that has to be made. It's not that uh, he can't go up against the line. It's just Richardson has to be better of getting his rotating his lines, even though he doesn't have the last change to make sure that Deneau gets out on that line. But that's bench management, and he, the, he was correct. unable to do it. So and how how do you think he's going to do it in game two? He can do one of two things. He can switch the lines up, which I don't think he's going to do. No. Or he can just, as soon as that line comes out, make a quick, he's going to have to make quicker changes. He's going to have to rotate through the lines faster uh, instead of having 30 to 45 second uh, uh, shifts. They're going to have to cut it down to 20, 15 to 20 seconds, you know, just to get that, that line out there. It's tough. It's going to be hard, um, but I think they can do it. I, I mean, Richardson's no slouch. He's, he's been an AHL coach. He knows how to match lines and stuff like that. He just needs to figure out a way to think ahead of what Cooper's going to do and, and go with that. Um, yeah. He's going to have to find ways when they, when they get out on the, on a face off clearly with last line change, Cooper's going to have whoever he wants out there right. against the, the Habs lines. What's going to have to happen is a very fast line change. As soon as that face off yeah. is, and you hope that you win so that you can make your line change quicker. Um, unless it's an offensive zone win, then, hey, pin those guys in and you, you end up with the same outcome that you want anyway. But, yeah, you start with uh, Deno against their fourth line. He wins the faceoff. You you bring out your Suzuki line. Yeah. It, it's things like that. You, you're going to have shifts of 30 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds. That's what's going to have to happen in – it it just did not happen. He hell, you could even double shift Deno, you know, swap him onto Suzuki's line at some point and see what happens. You could even put Deno out with whatever lines out there and have a double center. So, you know, Suzuki's line out, Kucherov's line, you know, you know Suzuki's line's coming out. Put Deno on that line. 
all right, Kucherov's there. At least Suzuki's the guy who goes off in Dino's yeah. days. Uh, if you put the Suzuki line out and then they bring out a different line, then Dino's the guy that goes off the ice as soon as the uh, faceoff's done. And you can, you can do stuff like that. If Dino's the guy he wants out there, which makes sense because Dino's the main guy that uh, um, centers that whole defensive core, then he's the guy that's Dino's just going to have to double shift or he's just going to have to play a little bit more minutes or faster line changes. There's a way to do it. Every team's done it. So, but it will be a challenge for Richardson. Yeah. that That's one of the big adjustments for the Canadians going into game two, where they're going to have to find a way to get the matchups they want more. I mean, they, they didn't get them at all. So they're going to have to find a way to get, get them at some times. But if they can't make those matchups happen, you still have to rely on lines like Suzuki's line and uh, Kotkaniemi's line to pick up some of the slack. Now, Kotkaniemi's line did okay in for the most part, but Suzuki's line was, it just point exposed them. Let's put it that way. Yes, Suzuki's line could not contain point. Um, they tried. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think there's... they were, they, they gave too much respect. And too much I think space. that line's a bit intimidated. They're yeah. a young line. Suzuki yeah. Caulfield, first time in the Stanley Cup finals, first time that far in the playoffs. Uh, I think Toffoli on that line got to be the guy to come get them together and say, all right, boys, you know what I mean? Like He was unable to in that game, though. He was in that game, but now that they have time, now that they felt out uh, Tampa Bay, they know how Tampa yeah. Bay is going to play against them. Montreal did try to ground and pound Tampa Bay in that game. I think they had over 50 some odd hits on them. But Tampa uh, Tampa's built to do that as well. So They're built they're built to withstand it. They're yeah. they're except maybe Kucherov who gets hurt every time someone skates by him, but <laughs> a stiff breeze. No, but it, and then that was another adjustment that I think that the Canadians need to focus on is they were far too focused on the physical part of the yeah. game. They they focused on the hit more than what the hit is being used for. It's it's to gain control of the puck. They were just hitting for the sake of hitting. They weren't hitting to also get a puck, which is what they had been doing in the first three rounds. And a lot of times they could have just went for the puck, but instead they went for the hit. Yeah. And then the puck just went to another Tampa player, and that was the end of it. Exactly. I mean, against a team like Toronto, that's a great strategy because Toronto players, I'm sorry, I'm not bit, uh, dumping on Toronto here, but the Toronto's core guys don't like to be hit. And it They're, throws them yeah, off their exactly. game. Yeah, exactly. They they wilt in the face yeah. of Tampa. Tampa plays that style of game. So they you're hitting guys that go out and hit other guys. So it's kind of like, you know, the immovable object against the, you know, immovable for what I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. And, and uh, Tampa's the most penalized team in the NHL. So they're not going to wither on that they're they're no. an experienced proven team they won the cup last year and so yeah i think montreal i'm not saying montreal should stop hitting i just think no. their focus shouldn't be solely on hitting it should be puck management and uh, it should be part of a greater plan not the plan the plan yeah exactly yeah. which is what it was i mean anderson his game is to get in there and dis- uh, shit disturb by finishing every single check, but not everybody on the team should be doing that. No, no. I mean, he played his game. Gallagher played his game. I mean, I don't, 
I think Gallagher's hurt because uh, I don't think Gallagher's really playing that great hockey of the last few games, but he's playing his type of hockey, which is getting under people's skin. Yeah. You saw Sergachev lose his mind there on him. Um, and before anyone gets into it, I don't think Sergachev intentionally tried to drive uh, Gallagher's no, head into the ice. Nor do I. But if his name was Tom Wilson, he would be suspended right now. Correct. Um, which proves to me that Department of Player Safety manages it by the name, not the act. Well, just look at the suspension on or the fine on Weber for Kucherov. Sploosh. No, well, not just that, but if he would have slashed anyone else, like if he would have slashed Pat Maroon, do you honestly think he would have got a five thousand dollar fine? Do you, do you honestly think Pat Maroon would have felt like he was shot by the second no. gunman on the grassy knoll? No, but I mean, look at Kotniemi uh, when he got hit. Same. Uh, yeah, in the Toronto series. Play. In the Toronto, Toronto save exact yeah. play, and there was there was no call on it. Why? Because it was against Kotniemi. If that was that's right, McDavid or Kucherov or Crosby, five thousand dollar fine. So yeah. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong, getting hit in the back of the knee by a slash hurts like a like a bastard. But I mean, he went down pretty hard. Both knees buckled when only one knee got hit, and he looked right at the referee who did not did. make the call. And why? Because he embellished it. He would have had to take both of them out. Not just that one. He embellished the call that they made on Sherratt earlier in the game. The referee got embarrassed by an embellishment earlier in the game. He didn't see it. He watched the replay and he saw that Sherratt kind of gave him a shot on the shoulder, not in the face like they he sold. So the, you know, the ref took a hook, you know, he hooked on that one. So... Game management. You don't show up the referees. I, I, I didn't mind the refereeing in that first game, to be it honest. It was solid. I mean, I the Canadians clearly solid. had more penalties, but I thought the way they managed that game, the way they called, mm-hmm. the, called the plays, it was consistent. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I thought the first penalty, which I think went to Tampa, I was kind of like, man, they let all that go, and then they're calling that. And I mean, it was against Tampa, so I'm, I'm being kind of fair here. Uh, yeah. But... Maybe they let all that go, saw that, and go, all right, enough's enough. We're calling this if you guys yeah. don't settle this crap down. So, Which brings me to the special teams. We're going to get into special teams now. We'll start with the power play for the Canadians, which um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sugarcoat it a little bit and uh, you know, give them some props, but it was, it was trash. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't very good. It wasn't the, very fir- good. the first power play had great movement. And they on got, the outside they, in the perimeter they gained the zone but they didn't shoot the puck like my biggest thing about montreal is they never shoot the puck now i got in a little uh, back and forth with a guy on twitter who said well they don't have that because like, i what i said was the difference between montreal's power play and tampa is tampa actually shoots the puck and he said well they have guys that on both sides that can you know they have a left-hander guy on the right a right you know that have perfect and i'm like yeah but suzuki Suzuki knows how to score on that side that he's on. He gets into the top of the circle and he finds the net. Caulfield has that great shot on the left side. You go the Weber bomb from the point. Um, But Montreal, to me, they gain access to the zone. And this is based on the first one. All the other power plays were trash. But they gain access into the zone. And they just kind of pass it around the house. Yeah, it was all perimeter. Do, 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 do. And then Tampa was just like, all right, we're just going to stand here because you're not doing anything. <laughs> and that yeah, was it. From, from that power play it, on the next one, because there's only two, but um, the following one, 
Tampa became extremely aggressive. They, they stood them up at the blue line. They attacked the yep. puck carry at all times. Uh, they couldn't, they couldn't generate even the passing lanes. So what they're going to have to do is find uh, to get, just get the puck in, get the puck in and then create yep. those down low three on twos, down low two on ones, which will open up the, the blue line. And that's where Gustafson, Oh, I almost threw up in my mouth. Um, is going to have to actually become the power play quarterback that people tell me he is because I don't see it. Well, Gus is in Ken power quarterback or power play. He did that in Chicago. But um, not really here. But he's not doing anything here. I mean, personally, I don't think Gus should be in the lineup. Although his analytical numbers show that he's the greatest hockey player on the Montreal Canadiens. It's true. that out there. It's true. It's, it's, Those it's nine, nine minutes and 47 seconds a game are amazing. Whatever. It's, and it's only really a minute less than what Mete played. Just throwing that out there too. Um, <laughs> oh, Tiger yeah. Cruz coming after me. Oh, no. Um, Rare. Anyway. Uh, he does. I mean, he has his event, but if you're only getting one or two power plays a game, what's the point? And those power plays are trash anyway. What's the point? And are the passes that he is making so amazing that it it um, excuses the defensive lapses? No. Like, if you're playing a guy five minutes a game, what's the point? Put in Romanov, play him nine minutes a game. He can make the pass just as good as Gustafson can in the, on the power play, if that's what you're looking for. Yeah. And it, he's a he's a pure offensive guy, so... Use him as such. If you're not going to bring in Romanov, who can get pucks to the net, create mm-hmm. passing lanes and shooting lanes on power play or five at five. If you're going to keep Gustafson, why not pair him up with an offensive line? Ensure that he is on the ice when he's on five on five with the players that are offensively minded, like Suzuki's line. Yeah. Because he can create those stretch passes. He can, he can take advantage of their, their speed they can create off each other. Uh, this is where the matchups come in again. Problem is he's going to be up for the power plays and maybe two minutes other than that, just to give the top four a rest. Yeah, essentially. Yes. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And which is, which is why me, I argue our Romanov can easily fill that role and probably do it better. Cause he's more reliable at both ends of the ice. He, he could actually play some defense. And, and my issue with Gustafson on the power play is when he costs the pop up, puck up, because he does, because he panics when someone pressures him, you, now you basically have a one-on-none because Gustafson's going to go back there with no clue what to do. If so, he gets back there in time. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not the NHL coach. True. Gustafson's, hey, he's they're in the finals with Gustafson in the lineup. So – they'll have to find some kind of an adjustment to suck that um, suck the Tampa Bay penalty killers in use the aggression against them to create those down low odd man battles, which will open up space in other areas. So if they can figure that out, the power play, as long as they can produce a power play goal here and there, it, it the job is done. If they, I still believe if they just shoot more, even if yeah. it's not that great of a shot, you're going to make the Tampa defenders think 
oh, oh, he has the puck. Because right now, right now, they're like, all right, he has the puck. All I got to do is stand here. He won't shoot because he's going to pass it off because he doesn't think he has a good shot. Oh, he's not going to shoot. Oh, that guy's not going to shoot. Perry's not going to shoot. Suzuki's not going to shoot. So they're basically like, okay, whatever. We're not worried about the shot, right? Let's just take out the passing lanes. There's Next nobody. You know, there, there's lack of um, net front presence. They're not. They're not at the front of the net as much as they need to be. Like they need to be there all the time. They need someone there at all times. Because when they take their shot, that's just picked up by one of the Tampa defenders and just calmly sent out. Or they're trying to pick corners. They're trying to hit specific spots on Vasilevsky. You can't be, you know, it's it's like Carey Price. When you're shooting on Carey Price and you're trying to hit corners, you're going to miss. You're just going to, you're going to just miss wide. You're just going to put it, you know, off a crossbar. You're just going to start putting it high. Get, just get it on net. Go for the rebounds because this rebound control isn't that great. No, and I mean, you could tell in the first game they're going high, high, high on Veselesky. Yeah. Good, which is a good strategy because Veselesky down low pretty much shuts the door. However, Veselesky also knows you're going high, 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 high. So even if you know you're not going to score down low, throw a few shots down there, try to create a rebound, and see what happens there. Or get him thinking oh, wait, they are shooting low on me. Wait a minute here, right? And But if you're just going to keep shooting high all the time, I mean, as a goaltender, I mean, in lacrosse, but same, it's the same principle. Yep. If the person's going to keep shooting high all the time, well, you're not even going to worry about the bottom of the net because you know they're not going there. Yeah, exactly. And when you're fighting the puck, like he, he kind of was, he was giving up some pretty good rebounds. If you have someone in front of the net, they can jam at that. They can hit those rebounds. And where was, how was Montreal's goal scored? It was off, a low shot. And was off two legs and went in. Because there was traffic was, in front of the net. traffic in front, yeah. Because if you're in front of the net, they have a guy there too. So now you have two people screening yep. him. Yep. Use and that. Best of less, he's too good to try to just beat him one-on-one. Or just exactly. try to beat him with it with a clean shot. He's just exactly. like you're absolutely right. He's just like Carey Price. He's just too good to uh, to do that. And how did they score on Carey Price? They created net front presence. They got tip ins and cross crease, and that's yeah. exactly what you got to do with Vasilevsky. Exactly. Which brings me to the penalty kill. So they were obviously trying to do the cross seam pass at all times because they have that diamond shape though. The one three one, they have this. They have that set up as well, and but they've got those high skilled shooters and Stamkos and Kucherov on either side, and they're trying to just tick tack back and forth to get that cross seam one timer. The different, the way it worked for the Canadians at the start of the game, they were giving up that cross seam pass, but it was always at the top of the zone. So even though it went cross seam and they got the one timer. Price had plenty of time to move across, square up, stop the shot. The one at the end of the game in garbage time, after a, after a long five-on-three with people stuck out on the ice for far too long, you know, you mentioned it was, it was a bad angle and it got in. I don't mind that they broke the, uh, the streak on that. Well, neither do I. I mean, I don't think Montreal's PK was really all that bad you're absolutely right they they got rid of the down low crossing pass they let it go up high they got the sticks in the lanes um 
they did what they had to do against a Tampa Bay team who's scoring at 30% on their power play. Almost 40. That That's unheard of. Yeah. So uh, really, uh, I, th- I thought they did well. I think they were what, uh, Tampa Bay was what, one for four, I think? One for four. So the, the PK yeah. was 75% against the best power play, I think, the playoffs have seen in the last 30 years. Yeah. So... <clears throat> so, and, I mean, and the one power play goal was in garbage time. It was a five. Uh, it was their fifth goal. Right. And it was after a five on three. So yeah, yeah exactly. With, a with minute, like a minute, minute and a half left. 10 to go. Yeah. So, and I'm fine with that. I mean, I'm fine. I mean, you're not going to, if anyone thought they're going to go through this series without Tampa scoring a power play goal, then you were crazy. I would, I I didn't mind it because like I said, it was garbage like the garbage time. Mm -hmm. The the game was already out of reach. It didn't hurt the team. No, you you don't want to give up a goal when you're tied or you're, you're just down a goal, you know, late in the game that would really kill you. That I don't want, but this one, if you're going to have the streak end, fine. Do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. But I don't think they're, they need to be doing any real changes to their penalty kill other than when Armia comes back in, he's on one of the power, uh, the penalty killing waves. Which is going to happen. Improvement. I mean, the only reason he sat out is because uh, Richardson felt he was sitting at home for three days before he flew down here. He just flew down there that morning. Yeah, He wasn't going to throw him into the game because he didn't know how fresh he'd be. I don't think Evans played bad, but he... No. No. He didn't. Uh, I think Armia works a lot better with that fourth line than uh, than Evans. Changes the, it changes the style of the line completely. Yeah. So. And I, you want you want what Armia brings because the line is more effective when it's playing that's that, that cycle style. Yeah. And Armia can play it better than than Evans does. I, I thought uh, Evans should have played on the the no Gallagher line like he did before he got hurt and have Lackanen go down, but. Whatever. I don't. I don't. Th- I don't. I didn't think Evans played bad, so no. it's not like he. I mean, he wasn't the reason they lost. That's for sure. No, no. There's a lot of reasons they lost, and it, most of it had to do with their own play. Yeah. Now, clearly, there's some adjustments that are coming. Suzuki said, "We lost game one against Vegas and came back with a really solid game. It's a best of seven series, and if we can get one on the road here, that would be big for us." Tomorrow. So this was from yesterday. So mm. Today going to be a big one for the confidence. I think the guys will be ready to play. So just like the Vegas series, they came out flat. They did not play their style of game. And then what happened in the following game, the game two in Vegas, they, they really came to play. So I'm expecting that tonight. Yep. I'm expecting, I mean, if we get the same game, we had the first game, then I think we should start panicking and uh, burn down Montreal and run in the streets and pull our hair out. But I don't think they will. I think they'll Set bounce fire back. to the bridges. Yeah. I, I, I think they'll come back. They'll play a strong game. Um, I'm hoping they'll get the win. I think they can get the win. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I just wish it wasn't at nine o'clock every night here in Atlantic. Jesus Christ. Two East coast teams and they're starting the games practically at midnight. Well, they're trying to keep the West coast in on it too. So I, I yeah. get why they're starting yeah. the games about an hour later than normal, but yeah, yeah. it kind of sucks for us here with the uh, added hour, but whatever. It just means production at work is going to go way down, and which is impressive considering we work for the government. 
Now, let's be honest, Blaine. Your production at work is already way down. So, hey, I am a uh, I am the only hazmat technician for the entire East Coast. So I'm super busy. That's it. Weren't you supposed to show up at my unit to do something with hazmat? Whatever happened to that? Oh, your uh, your CO kiboshed it. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> We're, they're divers. They can do whatever they want because they're divers. No, it's okay. We, we rescheduled. I'll be doing the inspection another time. It's not a big deal. You had As long as you got a hand wash station, you, you pass. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> does, the ocean ca- does the ocean count as a hand wash station? No. No. <laughs> if you're coming out of Halifax Harbor, no. <laughs> but uh, all right. So we're gonna we're gonna take a little break here um and when we come back from that break we will be joined by the hockey writers tampa bay correspondent andrew mulville and he is going to have to put on some headgear and some gloves because the battle is a comedy right yeah that's right so stick around we'll be right back Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better characters so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms. Today. Not a real problem. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use... If you're healthy, if you want it loyalty, buy a duck. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. Uh, I'm your host, Blaine Putfang, joined again by my co-host, Treg Wilson. And we are now joined by the hockey writer's Tampa Bay Lightning correspondent, Andrew Mulville. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you. Um, we we need a we need an outlet for our anger and hatred towards Tampa Bay, so Boo. this works out well. Boo, Andrew in Tampa. <laughs> I'll be the punching bag today. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so, why don't you give us a little bit of a, a background of what you saw in Game One, what you kind of expected to see in that last game, from someone who's been watching Tampa Bay every single game this year? Uh, I expected them to come out um, pretty much like they did. Um, They're known for losing the home opener. Um, For some reason, they had never won uh, the first game of the Stanley Cup final uh, up until this point. So I knew they they would have some um, motivation to actually get it done this time. Uh, They were a lot more physical than I expected. I haven't seen a ton of uh, the Canadians' games um, so I was kind of feeling out just like the teams were, um, but yeah, I, I didn't see too much. I didn't expect, uh, they got the pucks in deep, um, were great on the four check and, um, were able to possess the puck, uh, in the, in the Canadian zone. Do you feel that maybe Montreal gave them too much as in, Montreal was the the author of their own demise in a way, where Tampa just took advantage of everything. Yeah, I mean they they kind of let the Lightning have their way. Uh, 
it kind of reminded me of um, when the Lightning um, beat up on the Islanders 8 nothing. It was kind of the same feel. Um, the Islanders kind of let the Lightning walk all over them, let the Lightning do what they want, and, you know, you're going to pay the consequences. Now, speaking of paying consequences, Shea Weber got fined $5,000 for uh, a slash to the back of Kucherov's legs. Is he okay, by the way? He looked like he uh, broke both his legs when he went down, so I'm just wondering if he's... he's... He is playing in game two, I can confirm. <laughs> okay. We were concerned. We thought maybe he was dead. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh, it's tough. I, I'm not sure the fine was uh, really warranted there, if I'm being honest with you guys. I, I would have liked to see a call in the game. Um, uh, it's been sad, kind of, a lot of this playoffs has been a lot about the the officials not making calls or missing calls and I saw it both ways in this game you know missed slashes missed cross checks from the from the lightning um some cross checks from the lightning that should have been called um so it definitely goes both ways um but yeah I, I'm not sure that fine was really necessary did you feel that maybe the refs didn't call that because they felt a little bit embarrassed about the call the Kucherov sold earlier on Schrott I have no idea what goes through their their brain. Honestly, they it's been a common theme this playoffs. Um, they miss stuff that's right in front of them. So I honestly couldn't speak to what they were thinking. <laughs> with with Killhorn out for tonight's game, what adjustments do you see Tampa Bay making uh, in their top six? I don't think they'll make too many adjustments. Honestly, I think they might plug Matthew Joseph in um, to where Killhorn was playing and just keep the rest of the lines the same. Um, and then Joseph will be the guy to get in and um, fight for pucks and kind of get the cycle going. Um, sort of kind of how like Colorin plays physical. Now, how much actual game time has Joseph had uh, throughout these playoffs? Because Tampa has been on a roll and they've been pretty healthy for the most part. Yeah. And that's been a big story for the lightning. You know, they didn't have Stamkos except for what, almost three minutes of uh, the last Stanley Cup um, playoffs. But uh, Joseph has played in two games, I believe, against the Panthers when uh, Barclay Goudreau was out. So he doesn't come into it with a lot of playoff experience and really they don't have a ton of depth outside of their starting lineup as far as playoff experience goes. Um, but he played a lot during the regular season and played really well. So I'm sure he's going to step right in and um, get back into the, the chemistry of things. Oh, go okay. ahead, Blaine. Okay. So um, they, there was a big deal made out of uh, the big rig, Pat Maroon coming out and John with, uh, with uh, Josh Anderson. How much of a subplot is that really for Tampa? Uh, I don't think it's a huge subplot. Um, Maroon, <laughs> he's, he's one of those instigator guys. Um, he's going to get uh, his boys going and um, try to uh, get in the head of, his opponents. Um, he did it in every series up until this point. So I'm not surprised to see him doing it again. What do you expect to see out of Tampa tonight, knowing that Montreal is probably going to be pushing pretty hard to, uh, to get the win? Yeah, I, I've been warning uh, Lightning fans uh, as much as I can to not get too excited about the first game. It's game one. It doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, both teams have lost the game one and they're in the final. So um, I definitely expect the Canadians to come with a new game plan um, and play better hockey. Um, 
as far as the Lightning, they really shouldn't change all that much. I just think it'll be a closer game. Do you expect them to win tonight? I do, but I'm biased. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it would be great to, to finish up at home 2 nothing and uh, head up to Montreal with a 2 nothing lead. Um, so I expect them to come out and play much like they did in the first game. How did you really feel about Veseleski not winning the Vesna? I was pretty upset, honestly. <laughs> I, when I saw, I was watching the awards uh, program when I saw Flurry come up. Uh, I had to take a deep breath. Um, I, I was not happy with it. Um, it feels almost like Flurry kind of got, uh, you know, like a lifetime achievement award. And honestly, he's legendary. I have nothing against the guy. Uh, I just think Bassey had him beat this season. Um, but uh, kudos to Flurry for getting it done, and um, you know it's well deserved over, over his career. Yeah, but they finished tied for first overall. I mean, what did Tampa do this year? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, finishing third without their star player is not too shabby. Um, ah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I don't know to speak to Vassy's um, importance to the team. A lot of the games they lost were when he wasn't in net, and. Um, he, he, he finds ways to win games for the team. It, um, I felt like even in game one, the Canadians could have easily been um, right there in the game um, on plays like the Shea Weber's um, breakaway that he stopped and just plays like that. He makes over and over again and gives the offense a chance to um, find the back of the net and then they build their lead from there. Now, speaking of SSG, Montreal seemed to be shooting high a lot on him in game one. Uh, scattering reports do show that most of the goals that go in on Velasquez are pretty much glove high. Uh, this is what I, I, I just got from the, I don't watch a lot of Tampa games, but this is what I got from the uh, game the other night. Uh, if there is a weakness to him, is that where it's at up high and over the glove side or. I think so. Yeah. And I think it kind of got exposed against the Islanders too. Um, I think it was game six when they, um, I want to say it was Mayfield who scored right over his glove side and kind of, squeaked it in the corner there and um we've seen a couple of goals on Vassy like that this postseason so yeah I'd agree with that what about his rebound control I noticed he was fighting the puck a little bit in game one is that uh is that a standard part of his game or was that just a a bad showing I I think he was off a little bit um obviously not in the saving category but as far as giving up some juicy rebounds yeah um typically he doesn't give up too much What about uh, what about Hedman? He he was clearly hurt through most of the season. How do we know exactly what it is? Um, you know, I'm gonna just wait here while I while you answer, so I can text someone in Montreal. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I honestly don't know. I've searched high and low for some answers. Um, John Cooper is notorious for um, keeping everything undisclosed. It's kind of a hockey thing, anyways, but. Um, yeah, there's not really a good answer here. I, I wish I knew what was going on with him. I wouldn't be surprised to see him have some sort of surgery in the off season. I think I noticed with your defensive minutes is Ruta usually plays on the top line with Hedman, yet he plays half the minutes that Hedman does. Do they just rotate Ruta through the, like in these playoffs? Is he like that, uh, uh, guy they just rotate through the lineup like he's sort of put in for the top line but he doesn't actually play a whole lot there or yeah, it's sort of interesting because I, I'd say the top defenseman um, 
for the Lightning are um, obviously Hedman, McDonough, and then he's paired with Turnak, and then Sergachev on the on the third defensive pairings, really a top four in my opinion. Um, so they do kind of cycle through, and I think part of that also is that Hedman gets a lot of power play time, like a lot of power play time, yeah. so that adds to his minutes pretty quick. Okay. I, I just noticed when I saw the graphic that Hedman was like averaging like 20 some odd minutes and Ruta only averaging like 14 to 15 minutes. I'm like, it seems a bit yeah. off for two top pairing defensemen. <laughs> yeah. And I think really the power play adds into that a lot because uh, Hedman quarterbacks in power play pretty much almost the entire time usually. Okay. Did it feel odd for Tampa Bay to have more power plays than the other team for a change? Cause Tampa is the most penalized team in the league, so they must not be used to that. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised. Even uh, only two and three, I think, power plays um, for the Canadians and then for the Lightning. Um, obviously, I would have liked to see more calls. They kind of let it get out of hand, in my opinion. And uh, obviously, there was a lot of physicality going on. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> is there a lot of love for uh, Brendan Gallagher in Tampa right now? <laughs> he's not a fan favorite uh, I think I tweeted out during the game uh he's not making any friends out there um but you got to respect his game that's that's the kind of player he is and uh, he did a good job of uh, getting physical with a bunch of the lighting players is is Hedman okay after that altercation I mean he did need two people to come and defend him <laughs> everyone but Kalorn survived this uh the, the game one so for what it's worth and all he had to do was just block a massive slap shot <laughs> yeah that was wild uh yeah going back to that corn play it he headman had lost his stick behind the net and then corn uh, passed off his stick to headman and then went down and blocked the shot which just great effort on his part and of course now the knock has him out for this game so hopefully he'll be back soon well, Montreal is notorious for knocking out top players or other people's teams in this playoffs. It's pure luck. No, it's planned. <laughs> no, it's it's a fix by the NHL. Uh, it's hard to keep up. I don't All know. All the conspiracies. <clears throat> yeah. I, I, I ran out of tinfoil. I can't keep up. <laughs> <laughs> um, just one more thing before we let you go, because we know you're busy uh, with, uh, with other things today. But um, <clears throat> if there was one weakness for the Canadians to really – aim at trying to exploit what could it be with tampa bay uh i'd say what the islanders did well i'm just from recent memory is just being patient because eventually the lightning are going to make a mistake you know they're not perfect and once they make a mistake the islanders did a great job of capitalizing so they were um, really patient on defense um, kind of felt the game out. And then once the Lightning started making mistakes, they capitalized, and that's how they really won the three games they won. So I'd say the Canadians have to follow suit there. Okay. And before we let you go, why don't you just let our listeners know where they can find you and, uh, you know, so they know where to send all the hate mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, of course, you can find us on the Hockey Writers um, under the Tampa Bay Lightning or um, just search my name, Andrew Mulville. And then on Twitter, I'm Andrew underscore Mulville. And um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> oh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You, you provide a lot of great content for Tampa Bay. Uh, if anyone wants to get 
caught up on some of the stuff, go through his uh, timeline. You'll find all kinds of great content. Uh, Andrew, again, thank you for coming on. Treg, did you have any uh, last thoughts? No, no, it's good. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for coming by. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love your podcast. Uh, big fan. So. Oh, uh, well. And, wow. Thanks. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. Uh, I love all things hockey. Of course, I'm partial to the Lightning, um, but you guys do great work. Um, so I was excited to uh, get the opportunity to join you guys today. Well, well thank you very much. After saying that, you're more than welcome to come back again anytime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, hopefully with Tampa Bay breaking tradition and winning the first game, they can the, the series shifts back into Montreal's favor. <laughs> we'll see how it goes one yeah. game at a time but uh no it's it's great having you here and uh let the, i'm just happy we're enjoying stanley cup hockey at this time of year to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.